a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the 28th of March. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig. Glad we made it here. Holy mackinoli, folks. We were chatting on Skype, and then all of a sudden, it went poof. And uh, with about a minute and a half to go before live air, and I tried calling Diane back on Skype. I got that submarine sound effect, like sonar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so I tried to call. Diane on the phone the first time it didn't go through the second time it went through and then it kind of went to hold and uh so I called her back with 10 seconds on Skype 10 seconds to live air and it worked well this is really funny because you know how we're on now and you're in a black box with a swoosh and I'm in a black box with a swoosh well all of Skype went white and purple well, that's not right. I know. I don't know. And then a second later, everything came back to the way it should be. I'm wondering if this is another one of those Windows 11 little presents to everybody. It, it could be that, or it just could be Skype being Skype. Well, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> you know, hopefully we'll stay connected for, for the duration of the show. I don't think there'll be a problem because now we're both back in the black boxes and everything is registering as working fine. Yeah, but it was all fine right before it went poof, too. That's true. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That's true. I I thought I was going to have to come on the air and regale our listening audience with submarine sounds. Oh, that would have been fun, right? Oh, that's good radio, I'll tell you. Hey, it's all part of doing the live show, but that's true. We never know what's going to happen, folks. And it's especially funny because I have uh, three kitties going on four in two weeks. There'll be a new little kitten and Craig has two kittens and two dogs. So we never know what's going to happen as they wander in. Well, you know, I've got the office door shut, but that's not going to keep the monster from barking. That's true. That's you know, true. Um, 
That And I, I got to tell you the funniest thing. I was going to tell you this before we went on the air, but I'll tell you now because I think people will get a kick out of it. That that numb nuts dog of mine <laughs> wandered into the bathroom and closed the door with himself inside of it three times today. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he goes in there, and for, for whatever reason, he thinks there's something behind the door because the door opens in to the bathroom. Oh, and, okay. and he goes in there, and he pushes the door. And then it closes, and then he can't get out. Oh, that must be funny. You know, and there's there's no window in that bathroom, and the light was off. And so, of course, when the door goes shut, it's dark. I mean, it's dark, oh. dark in there. Oh, he must have been petrified. I think the first time he was, and I was in the office here, so I didn't even know what was going on. And I heard him barking, and I thought, you know... He's barking all the time. And so I didn't think anything of it. And then about a half an hour later, I walked out of the office and I noticed the bathroom door was shut. <laughs> so I let him out and twice more, he went in there and did the same stupid ass thing. He wanted your attention. Yeah. Well, he got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh Oh, poor Barclay. Uh, I just looked at him and I said, well, you know, dumbass, if you didn't push the door shut, you wouldn't get trapped in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> life with animals, right? Oh, it is fun. Oh, my. Well, look, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Diane, you're covering losing 2024, maybe, maybe not. Right. And I've got Bragg's imploding political persecution. I wish he'd implode. <laughs> I, we'll get you all up to date on all of that stuff coming up here in a little bit. But let's start with quick hitters tonight. We'll start with John Kerry, who is now out there defending the use of private jets for the climate change bunch. Yes, it's this is unbelievable. And he justifies their use of these jets because we're on the right side of the issue and doing good work or something. In other words, we can take private jets because we're not in the oil and gas industry and believe in green energy. It's laughable. I mean... It is, and he, he literally says that the people that take private jets to go to these climate change conferences carbon offset so it doesn't really count right right and and then he went on to say you know they offset that they're working harder than most people to be able to affect this transition in other words he's way behind all of biden's transitions into getting off coal and natural gas natural resources and going into Wind farms, your favorite, Craig. Yeah, and, you know, recently they've been pinning uh, offshore wind farms on the East Coast for killing whales and now dolphins. Yeah. And and I can tell you how that happens. The blades. Or, no, it's, no, with no. the water animals, isn't it the sound, the, the sonar under the water? Yeah, it's the infrasound. Yeah. 
and you can't hear it. You can't hear infrasound. It's at a frequency so low that humans can't hear it, but it penetrates everything, including water. In fact, I read, this goes back several years, I read a study and I saw a, a woman on a video, and she is um, a sound engineer. So she, okay. you know, she's a, a sound scientist, let's say. And she said, if you were going to build a house that was impervious to infrasound that comes from wind turbines, you would have to build it out of solid concrete, 17 meters thick. Wow. Now, not only would your walls have to be 17 meters thick, your windows would have to be 17 meters thick of glass, and your roof would have to be 17 meters thick, and your floor would have to be that thick. Wow. So infrasound permeates everything. And uh, these offshore uh, you know, turbine farms, that, that infrasound's getting into the water, and whales and dolphins use their own built-in sonar to navigate, and the infrasound messes that up, and they swim straight onto the beach and die. Oh, those you know, things. They, they yeah. use that. They use their sonar not only for navigation, but to find food. And if they can't find right. food, they die. That Those whole windmills, I wish they just, you know blow themselves away they are totally and completely useless because what everybody forgets is you still need the cold type power you know energy to turn the switch on yeah they they run on computers and they have to have electricity running to them before they'll even operate right you know so it's ridiculous but there's John Kerry, you know, we're better than you because we're on the right side of the issue. That means we can fly private jets to these conferences. You know, not only do they fly the private jets, Diane, but when they get there, every one of them has a motorcade full of gasoline-burning vehicles. Right. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Okay. Absolutely a bunch of hypocrites. You know, but they're better than you. Well, you, you know, so they they get away with it. Well, at the last uh, gathering, if we want to call it that, uh, he also spoke about the gas stoves, oh, and boy. the Biden administration knows well that they can't initiate this on a national level. So they're going to throw it to the governors of each state to do it. You know. They're not only going after gas stoves now, but they're also going after air conditioners, washing yes. machines, you know, pretty much every appliance right down to your damn toaster. I can tell you one governor that ain't going to go along with any of it. I can tell you several that won't go along with it because it's BS. It is total and complete BS. You know, I mean... This whole thing, though, with John Kerry, yeah, he's going into that, you know, oh, yeah, we got we got to do away with gas stoves. No, you don't. You know, gas I, stoves don't do any harm to anything. I, I, you know, if they're, his idea 
And this is the liberal agenda idea. They're going to be at net zero, uh, you know, carbon emissions by what, 2050? Yeah. It'll never happen. No, once they're out of office, everything should change back to common sense at least. Good I mean, Lord, what I does so. a gas stove, what does someone in their privacy of their home using a gas stove bother the environment? Really? Well, it doesn't. Oh, oh, and I shouldn't even say the environment. What does it do to bother the weather? Nothing. Absolute Nothing. zero. Right. You know, I mean, this is, this is just more HSBS from John Kerry. A crock of crap simmering on a stove. There is no reason on earth they can't hold those conferences by teleconference. Of course. None. Absolutely no no reason. reason, There's no reason to hold conferences, period. Because what they're sitting around discussing is the weather. That's it. That's it. You can do that over a cup of coffee at the diner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They can Zoom each other. That's that's the way it works around here anyway. You want to talk about the weather, you go to the local diner and you can have all the conversation you want. Yeah, here in Florida, we, we talk about the weather a lot. It's hot, it's hotter, it's super hot, or, ooh, we got a little break. You know, when I lived in Phoenix, there was, you know, for, for eight and a half months, almost nine months out of, out of the year, there was only one temperature to, to discuss, and and that temperature was Jesus Christ! It's hot, <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, and that's just the way it is. Uh, now you mentioned him down in your neck of the woods. Ron DeSantis has signed a new school choice law. Yes, and it, it basically has to do with vouchers and gives parents the rights again to choose where their children go to school, whether it be public or private school. Um, This comes on the heels, basically, of of bringing education back to the remedial end of of education. Out of Florida schools is all that nonsense. There's no more critical race theories. There's no more teaching uh, about drag queens and assorted other sexual things for young children. Uh, Florida is now ranked probably the best educational system for freedom. Mm -hmm. That's according to the Heritage Foundation that Florida is ranked number one for educational freedom and we're number one on state spending on private school choice and we're number one for tax credit scholarship enrollments ESA enrollments and in other types of voucher enrollments. Well, and the reason that liberals have their panties all wadded up over this is because when parents choose private schools, it's a lot harder to indoctrinate the kids. Right. And what this basically does is this bill is to fund students instead of funding systems. In other words, educational systems that are broken. You're so, helping the children. So I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because maybe you do. 
with this new bill, does the money follow the student instead of going to the school? I believe that's the way it works. Don't hold me to it because this just broke today, earlier today, or maybe yesterday, about that the bill was signed. It's called HB1. And what it states is a parent of a student may request and receive from the state if the student is a resident of this state and is eligible to enroll in kindergarten through grade 12 in a public school in the state, they can then receive the voucher. In other words, ah. illegals ain't getting nothing. Well, and that also tells me then that the money follows the student. And that Correct. is a good thing. Okay, yes. and, and of course, that has liberal panties wadded up too because it means that the public schools are now have to go, are going to have to compete in education to get the students. Right. And what's very important about this is when Governor DeSantis signed the bill, this became the largest expansion of education choice in the history of our country, folks. And when you combine private scholarships, charter schools, and district school programs, Florida already has 1.3 million students attending a school of their choosing, meaning their and their parents' choosing. That's huge. That's very huge. And by the way, this is the kind of stuff that belongs across the country. Well, it does. It's going to be up to individual states to do that. And I know there's other states that are looking to do that and make the money follow the student rather than just going to the schools. And I'll tell you, when the money follows the student, there's a lot less waste of money. Oh, absolutely. And, And to that respect, you'll never guess who said it's never going to happen in his state. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Gavin Newsom, California <laughs> folks. Well, in I fact, guarantee you he he's right. that it will never happen there, remember last week when there was the big uh, strike? The teachers went on oh, strike yeah. last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he said it ain't ever happening there. Well, and it probably won't. So California will just be pumping out morons from public schools. Hmm. They already have, I'm sorry to say, in this new generation of woke individuals. Right. It's not going to get any better. Um, Joe Biden, uh, yesterday, I think everybody's aware there was a a terrible school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. And Mm -hmm. uh, they, they trotted Joe Biden out to talk about that. And what did he talk about when he got to the podium before he spoke about the school shooting? Ice cream. Ice cream. He chose ice cream. And and he tried to make it out. The reason he was there talking about this serious incident was because there was ice cream there for him. Yeah, they told him there was going to be ice cream. And he said, that's why I'm here, because they told me there was going to be ice cream. And then he said that upstairs, I have a whole freezer full of it. And he talked about his favorite flavor. You know, some chocolate chip ice cream. He says, upstairs, I got a whole freezer full of it. Don't believe it? It's true. This is how the President of the United States started talking about a tragedy. Now, 
I have a theory, and you tell me what you think. I have a theory as to why he started out with that. Uh, probably his meds were mixed in with it. Well, no, that's not my theory. It's a good theory, but it's okay. not the one I came up with. I think they told him, look, Joe, you go out there and you have to to talk about the school shooting and we've got a script for you. And he probably said, I don't really want to. They said, Joe, if you go out there and talk about it when you're done, you can have ice cream. Ah, they reversed it. Okay. You know, I mean, this is the way parents get three-year-olds, you know, to, to pick up their toys. If you pick up all your toys, you can have a treat. Right. And, and by the way, folks, the reason we're not going to go into too much detail about the shooting is because I'm taking that on in next week's article. You know, I, I, I do want to say just a couple of quick things. Oh, and course. I, and yes. I don't think this is going to infringe on your article, but um, the, uh, the Nashville Police Department uh, and their SWAT team did ab- <clears throat> absolutely everything right to the nth degree they they got there within moments okay it it only took yeah it only took a couple of minutes they went directly into the building and directly began to sweep the first floor when they heard gunshots on the second floor they literally ran up the steps toward the gunfire and found the shooter and dispatched of her Absolutely, and it it that person deserved to be made into a piece of Swiss cheese because of the amount six people this woman woman murdered six people in cold blood, and them taking her out because you know how the liberal justice system is now, folks. That woman would have been sitting on death row for a generation while those six people remained dead. Well, it it, it wasn't just that. I mean, she was actively firing uh, one of her weapons when the police arrived on the second floor, and they did not hesitate for even a split second. Um, They give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, they, they did everything right. Unlike Uvalde, Texas where the police stood out in the parking lot for damn near half an hour. Right. Who knows how many of those kids and teachers did not have to die. You know, six six in uh, Nashville is six too many. But it could have been and would have been a lot worse had the police not responded as they did and taken as swift of action as they did. And they should be commended for their absolutely action yesterday i mean what but a bunch wait. of heroes just wait the liberal response is going to be why did you kill her yeah and they need to be you know charges brought against the police they went overboard well they didn't no kill her. you no. know it's coming no it's you know not it's coming no it's not coming because the shooter was white well it's also not coming because you know the shooter was a he she a she he uh, she he she he she he oh speaking 
<laughs> and like you said, Diane, you're gonna you're gonna cover that next week, right? Right. Okay. But speaking of he, she, she, he's mm-hmm. <laughs> this this last quick hitter. I mean, this is to me is funny as hell. It is funny. A trans woman was left in tears. She was at the airport. She was going through the TSA checkpoint, and she got hit in the nuts. During the screening, yeah. During the screening. Afterwards, she goes on social media and complains about getting hit in the nuts. Oh, my balls still hurt, she said on social media. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Her balls still hurt. Her. Well, if she's trans and if she was true trans, she would have done the transition, including the cutting off of certain parts. She didn't. So what she is doing was this was a man play acting to be a woman. Yes. And (laughs) and one of the inherent dangers of that is getting hit in the nuts at TSA. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now at a picture of this this thing. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, but, you know, the growing your hair long and putting on some makeup, you're still a man. Now, I, I've got to hearken back to my commentary in the NationalPatriot.com last week. Okay. Okay. And, you know, I, I was talking in that commentary about when Jill Biden and Tony Blinken presented the Women of Courage Award to a dude. Oh, yeah, wasn't that something? Okay. And, and in that commentary last week, this is before the guy got hit in the nuts at, at TSA, I said... Now, I realize that liberals have a collective brain fart when it comes to defining the word woman, but seriously, shouldn't one of the main criteria for receiving a Women of Courage Award be having made it through at least one period? And for that matter, shouldn't a couple of the primary considerations for being in the running for that particular award be never in your life having a pair of attached balls or having garnered the nickname testicules in gym class. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like I saw this one coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to if you want to pretend you're something, be my guess. It's your right to pretend. But when someone, you know, does something by accident, this wasn't a deliberate act. When someone does something by accident (laughs) and then you claim that you're, wait a minute, I'm a woman, but you have balls. Yes, but I, I think I'm a woman. I mean, it's really time for the net. I mean, there the dude was in the TSA line. Thinking he had the world on a string, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a tampon string. Dressed up as a woman, pretending to be a woman. He gets up to the TSA. They're doing what the TSA has to do. And, you know, they're checking him for any kind of weapons. Right. Um, turns out he was just happy to see them. 
And in the in the process of that, whack right in the plums. Yep. <laughs> and then then he goes on social media. I'm a woman and I got hit in the nuts. Excuse me? Yeah, women don't have those parts. I mean, I mean for the love of God. You women know. don't have them. I, I hate to tell these liberal woke loons, women don't have balls. Sometimes we people just, just don't. Sometimes people just share too much on social media. I think so, and I think this one was, you know, looking for his... 15 minutes of fame. That's seven and a half minutes apiece by my calculations. <laughs> <laughs> it is an absolutely ludicrous thing. The guy should be ashamed of himself. I mean, for putting this on social media, I, he made himself a total laughing stock. Now, I guarantee you there were leftists out there who went on and made comments on there like oh you poor girl oh dear (laughs) he's not a girl he's pretending and that's all it is is pretending let him pretend all he wants but we don't have to buy into the pretending to quote steven tyler dude looks like a lady yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh so all you men pretending to be women, let this be a lesson to you. If you're going to the airport, wear a cup. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we've made it to the bottom of the hour. That means we gotta take a bottom of the hour break. 30 minutes from now, I'm talking about Bragg's imploding political persecution. But when we come back from this break, Diane's got it with losing 2024. Maybe, maybe not. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot 
at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. If you miss any part of this show, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, you're in there. All you got to do is listen. Yes. All right, Diane, so things are starting to heat up a little bit for 2024, and uh, there's uh, the beginnings of a little give and take between who I think are going to be the uh, the two top candidates on the GOP side. Mm-hmm. And you've decided to kind of look at this in an interesting way. Losing 2024, maybe, maybe not. Okay, let's start with this quote. We won twice, and now we got to win a third time. That was a statement by President Donald J. Trump, to which he added that the attack on him, courtesy of the Manhattan District's Attorney's Office, is, quote, on an attack on Americans who support me. Well, let's start with a few important facts as I see them. Fact. President Trump was a president who should be heralded on both the domestic and foreign policy fronts. Under his stewardship, our economy soared. Inflation was at a 40-year low. Minority job numbers were their highest ever. Our border crossing numbers were but a shadow of what they are now. Russia and China were kept in check. The Middle East was on the cusp of peace via the Trump-brokered Abraham Accords. And of utmost importance to most is the fact that not only was America energy independent, but that for four years, American exceptionalism was something we again took pride in. And then came the 2020 election and the latest start of America's downfall. An election lost not through votes rightfully cast and tabulated, but an election lost courtesy of voter fraud, tabulation irregularities, to put it mildly, and a four-year-long witch hunt planned and orchestrated by those still unable to get over the fact that non-politician Donald J. Trump beat political shrew Hillary Clinton. And now denying the Democrats' anointed savior, Barack Hussein Obama, a swift path to his third term in office, the Democrats' payback for said election lost was to make Trump's first term in office a living hell. And while that hell eventually saw much being debunked, we still saw our 45th president not only being impeached, but being made a mockery of as he, as did we, see policies that worked well for America being but EO'd out by Joe Biden. Joe Biden, the puppet dangling on Obama's strings, saw to it that payback for Hillary's loss was now complete courtesy of America and Americans be damned. And like I stated, Trump was a great president, a man I proudly voted for and will do so again if he gets the nomination. 
But Craig, to be honest, I do not believe that Donald J. Trump should be the Republican nominee. And I will not hide the fact that I would prefer to see Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as both the nominee and the 45th president of these United States. Now, before you get into the whole Trump v. DeSantis, DeSantis v. Trump thing, you've got kind of an interesting take on what's happening with this grand jury out of Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So before I get into the why, let's fast forward to what's now happening as President Trump is still, as I'm writing this, facing possible arrest courtesy of yet another politically motivated, media-driven Democrat ploy, a ploy I believe was initiated to help take the focus off the now-exposed Biden crime family. And know that, like with the previous scandals, the accusations being made here, accusations regarding hush money being paid to a porn star named Stormy Daniels, are not only bogus, but actually border on the criminal in their own right. How so? It seems that Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, a bought-and-paid-for George Soros shill, desperately seeking his 15 minutes of fame, a man who could care less about serving the citizens of New York, what with his refusing to prosecute, let alone lock up real criminals, now relishes in leading a pack of ever-hungry, politically-driven wolves out to stop another possible Trump v. Biden showdown. And to that effect, no option to stop Trump remains off-limits as far as Bragg is concerned, including his choosing to hide, as in keep from the grand jury, 600 pages of exculpatory evidence given to him by Robert Costello, who was Michael Cohen's former legal advisor, before he was to give his grand jury testimony. And with the district attorney having only turned over six cherry-picked documents to said jury, we're now hearing calls for not only Bragg's rightful disbarment, but his disbarment of his henchman Mark Pomerantz, along with all the prosecuting attorneys involved in what is not only an obvious travesty of justice, but the political weaponizing of the New York City District Attorney's Office. How so? Craig, it's simply by said office, trying to turn what was, at best, a state-level misdemeanor and turning it national solely to push forward the left's political agenda. And Bragg did so even while knowing that the statute of limitations had run out on set charges. Before you get into Trump and DeSantis, okay, as long as you're talking about Alvin Bragg, the DA out of uh, Manhattan, what do you mm-hmm. think would be the right thing to happen to him because of this case? Well, to me, the rightful thing would be to see Bragg being cuffed, posing for a mugshot, fingerprinted and brought up on charges of dereliction of duty in regards to his kid glove handling of real criminal charges, his wasting taxpayer dollars on leveling what he well knew were bogus charges against President Trump and for slandering and defaming our 45th president and doing so solely for his so wanted 15 minutes of political fame. 
And it left me wondering if George Soros now thinks his funding of Alvin Bragg was money well spent, sarcastically said, of course. And again, I'll say that Donald J. Trump was a great president. He's already proven innocent in regards to the Democrats' orchestrated Russian collusion nonsense, and he has weathered the storm of almost all the Democrats have thrown at him, impeachment notwithstanding. However, even in this baseless hush money charge is eventually thrown out, the fact remains that Trump still faces three other Democrat-initiated federal criminal probes, also with possible charges pending. The first being, as per federal prosecutors, that Trump illegally stored classified documents likely to contain classified information, in their opinion, at his Mar-a-Lago home, thus violating the Espionage Act, that he improperly handled federal records, and that he obstructed a federal investigation into said documents. The second probe involves the January 6th attack on the Capitol, an attack that now-released Capitol tapes proves no insurrection ever took place. And the third probe involves a Georgia state criminal investigation into Trump's possible interference with the 2020 election. Interference involving his supposedly trying to get Georgia's election officials to overturn Georgia's 2020 election tally. And with all this political baggage, Craig's still hanging over President Trump's head. Now it will hang so until 2024, if not beyond. So with all the good that Trump did, uh, from the economy to energy to the world stage and beyond, there were still some judgment calls that were questionable that he made. He overcame them. But it made things more difficult, right? Right. You know, while Trump's, you know, proved successful, his administration was successful policy-wise during his four years in office, his numerous poor cabinet picks left some to wonder just who is advising him. And while Trump might indeed garner the 2024 Republican nomination, in my opinion, he will not win back the White House. Why so? Because no matter whom he picks as his VP, Mike Pompeo is my first choice, followed by either Nikki Haley or Christy Nome, with Carrie Lake and Marjorie Green being political poison for the independents. The fact remains that if the Democrats were to keep the Senate, and if the Republicans were to lose the House, or any combination thereof, we as a nation would be in for but four more years of Democrat-initiated phony scandals and accusations, even if Trump were to be elected. And if Trump was to lose, the swamp would still be there, Hillary would continue to roam free, Obama would still be the one pulling Biden's strings, George Soros would remain the money behind the invasion at our southern border, and the left socialist wanted fundamental transformation of America would probably reach fruition. After all I've just stated is why I believe it's time that we Republicans and conservatives set our sights on a new candidate. And I remain steadfast in believing that candidate should be Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. 
Why so? First, Ron DeSantis, a founding member of the House Freedom Caucus, would fare better in a head-to-head matchup against Joe Biden than would Donald Trump in regards to certain key demographics. And while to date, diehard Trump supporters remain unwavering in their support for President Trump, those now referred to as only Trumpers, DeSantis leads amongst the all-important independent voters, both male and female Hispanic voters, Christian voters, and Republican never-Trumpers who voted for Joe Biden in the 2020 election. In other words, Ron DeSantis is not only favored across certain key Republican demographics, voting demographics, but he can bring in a healthy percentage of moderate Democrat voters, as witnessed by his almost 20-point win over rival Democrat Charlie Crist in Florida's recent governor's race, a race that with DeSantis' overwhelming win, Craig turned the key state of Florida from purple to decidedly and hopefully forever red. Now, about a week ago, Ron DeSantis did an in-depth interview with Piers Morgan on Fox, Mm -hmm. and you've got that uh, video locked and loaded in your op-ed. What were some of the key things that stood out to you from that interview? Because I I found the interview fascinating, but Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what were some of the key things that stood out in your mind? One topping them all, and that was... He, Ron DeSantis said, if I were to run, I'm running against Biden. Now, that was said, like Craig said, in the recent Pierce Morgan interview. And those words, the last four of those words, I'm running against Biden, are what defines Santis as to why he should be the Republican nominee. How so? While Trump is busy putting other Republican hopefuls down, especially those he fears most, making fun of any who dare to challenge him while he over-exaggerates his personal popularity, Ron DeSantis, who has yet to even announce whether he will run or not, will, if he does choose to run, run on his record and focus on who the enemy really is, that being Joe Biden. And again, while President Trump's economic and foreign policy records were indeed great, Trump now seems to be ignoring that very record, choosing instead to spew out all sorts of silly nicknames peppered with egotistical rhetoric and bravado, not caring at all that he is breaking the great Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment, thou shall not speak ill of fellow Republicans. In fact, let's revisit These words from the opening quote where Trump stated that the DA's attack on him was also an attack on all Americans who support me. But what Trump forgets is not, is that not everything is about him, nor is it about his supporters alone. What Trump should have said is that attack is actually an attack on all Americans, whether they support him or not. Why so? Because now the door has been opened for any Soros-funded DA to be able to bring charges, bogus or not, 
against any American citizen they do not personally or politically agree with. Sadly, it's Trump's need for ego-lifting bravado that helps to divide the party, both Republicans and conservatives. But it's also the Achilles heel Democrats are again counting on to keep them in power. Division was the very tactic used by the never-Trumpers in 2020, in addition, of course, to what was obvious Democrat voter fraud and false tabulations that together helped secure the White House for what in reality is Barack Hussein Obama's third term in office as he continues to pull the strings of a fool. So, Craig, what has Governor DeSantis done for Florida that he could and would do for the whole of the United States? Simply, he would see that the policies that made us the free state of Florida were were initiated across the entirety of our great nation. You know, if you look at Ron DeSantis' record, there is one epic thing i think that stands out and that's the covid response and that's Mm -hmm. something trump is trying (coughs) excuse me to jab at desantis for but reality paints a different picture than the picture trump is painting right and it all starts with the fact that governor desantis said no to joe biden's covid mask mandates jabs and lockdown nonsense keeping florida open thus allowing businesses to survive during the pandemic. And remember, he also reopened Florida schools when other states were afraid to. He reset, if you will, Florida's educational system to not only be in favor of parents' rights, but he stood strong for Florida's children and against the forced upon them, said woke indoctrination along with his removing from Florida's curriculum the hate-mongering rhetoric that is the hallmark of critical race theory, and Governor DeSantis put in place common-sense abortion laws and stands strong with our constitutionally given Second Amendment gun rights. Also not to be forgotten is the speed at which the rebuilding of Florida's southwest coast after Hurricane Ian has taken place. And it's all due to DeSantis's actual caring about we, his Florida constituents, while Biden paid but a fast photo op visit, then looked away. Simply, Craig, there is a reason that Florida is the number one state so many are moving to, businesses included. And that reason is Governor Ron DeSantis and his courageous, no-nonsense, anti-woke, common-sense, pro-America pro-constituent policies. Yeah, but other than that, he's got nothing going for him. Nothing going for him. I mean, you know, there is one other thing, though, that really stands out. If you're trying to to separate, you know, Trump and DeSantis or DeSantis and Trump, there is another key thing that really shows a difference between the two candidates. Yes. Okay. I just gave you... A few of his many accomplishments, but something above all else. And the fact is that Ron DeSantis carries none of the political baggage that Donald Trump does. Political baggage that diverts us away from the real issues we need to be focused on. We have to move on from baggage-based campaigning and rhetoric, or we will become 
not just more divided as a nation, but we will become even more of a laughing stock on the world stage. Simply the mood of our country has changed. And while we know Donald Trump loves his country, this country, no one can or should dispute that. But for love of country, Trump needs to first stop making inane, ego-driven comments like his recent, quote, there will be death and destruction if I am indicted, which in my opinion is paramount to a possible call for violence, and learns to shut his mouth and step back and help turn over the stewardship of America to the next generation of leaders. And in my opinion, there is no better man to be that leader than my Florida governor's Ron DeSantis. Case closed. I imagine that after publishing this yesterday, you've gotten some comments, both positive and negative, right? Yes. The best comments I have gotten is, in the primaries, we're switching from Trump to DeSantis from and numerous people. Is, is it running about 50-50, or can you tell just by the comments that you've gotten who people are preferring at this point? Because let's remember, DeSantis isn't even in. He said he wouldn't announce until May, so he's got another right. good month to go. Right. Um Right now, the comments are about 50-50. The usual only Trumpers, and many of them I know from Florida politics. I know them personally. They're, you know, only Trump, only Trump. Well, the other day, I kind of pushed a couple of them in the corner because I told them I have said online and on the air that if Trump gets the nomination, he has my support and he has my vote. Are you willing to say that if DeSantis gets the nomination, Mm. he has your vote and your support? And and how did they respond to that? Some said yes. Some said yes. Some said, oh, we'll write Trump in. Well, that's a sure way to lose. And that, that, you know, that kind of lends into your title, losing 2024, maybe, maybe not. Right, right. You know, and, and what what are we seeing right now with the independents? I my personal thought is Trump's rhetoric, which worked for him in in twenty sixteen, right. is not working for him now. No, the independents are turning away in droves. In fact, the recent Iowa straw poll showed DeSantis up by um, eight points over Trump. And in New Hampshire, he's tied with Trump. But the Iowa poll is very, very important because they're the first ones to caucus. And that's growing by the day, his lead. And he's not even in the race. And he's not even in the race, like you say. So that shows the mood of the country has changed. The independents are tired of hearing Trump's bloviating how wonderful he is. He doesn't talk about his great policies. He talks about him. You know, and in if, fact, I... Oh, go ahead. Well, let me finish. In fact, I got some word from people who attended his Waco. Uh, I believe it was Waco. Yeah, the, Waco, the, Texas. Okay, the recent um, campaign stop he had there. And they said that they went to hear him and whatever. And when he started his rhetoric against DeSantis, 
there was booing, and a lot of people looked away and looked down. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of people that have been, been in the military, as Ron DeSantis has been, so he knows this as well as any anybody who's ever served in the military. You only take flack when you're over the target. And right. so the, the fact that he's drawing uh, a lot of attention from Trump means that DeSantis is living rent-free in Trump's head right now. Yes, and, and Trump will not allow anyone to trump him, you know, News-wise, right. popularity-wise, as great a you know president as he was, he does have some ego and bravado issues. Really, I never noticed. You never noticed. I never, huh? I never noticed. Um, and I don't think anybody else has really ever noticed that either. I think that comes as quite a shock to people who read your op-ed. Um, <laughs> Losing 2024, maybe, maybe not. Folks, you can find it two different places. If you go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or if you go to rspradio1.com, you can find it at either place, and we hope you read it for yourself, and we hope you share it everywhere you can. I think there's a lot of interesting information in here. And one of the things you say in the op-ed, Diane, and I think... Uh, it's spot on, and, and you mentioned it once, and I don't want it to just go by the wayside. This political baggage, you know, these these um, manufactured charges by Soros-funded DAs are going to go on through 2024 and probably longer. Yeah, and that's that's going to destroy us, folks, even if Trump becomes president, because he will get nothing done will be focused on scandal, will be up there defending himself, and suddenly we, the people, will become by the wayside. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me, you know, when he campaigned in 2016, yes, there was a lot of rhetoric, okay, but he he really campaigned hard that he was going to represent the forgotten people in this country. So right. he, you know, aside from the rhetoric in 2016, he made himself a man of the people. Um, right. You know, he was he was in this for the people of the U.S. You know, it, it was make America great again. Right yes. now, right now, it seems like make Trump great again is that, the kind of the campaign thing. And that's not good. No. That 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 needs to change. And you and I have been talking about this for quite some time, that that if Trump would concentrate on the policies that he put into place and the and the policies that he was responsible for in the four years he was in the Oval Office, this would this campaign would be altogether different. Absolutely. I mean he had some great policies you know we were energy depend independent he did the abraham accords there were no wars because the uh enemies feared him i mean the 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 border was was a hell of a lot more secure than it will ever be under joe biden i mean we he, he had greatness in him but now he's turning into some vindictive how dare you run against me and let me contradict a lie that's going around what he said on Hannity last night heard it with my own ears heard it again on Fox this morning in a clip 
Ron DeSantis did not go crying to Donald Trump for help no. in his first run. No. That's an absolute lie. But it's all part of the rhetoric. You know? It's all part of the rhetoric. And it's things like that that get me mad. Will I still vote for Trump if he gets the nomination? Absolutely. Folks, we've but, gotten to the top of the hour here. That's That was a fast segment. Yep. You know, and folks, again, go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or go to rspradio1.com, grab the link and share it everywhere you can. It's going to get a lot more interesting, this 2024 race. Yeah, I think it is. Folks, we got to take that top-of-the-hour break, get a couple of station IDs in. When we come back, I'm talking about Bragg's imploding political persecution. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori getting you through a Tuesday night edition of the show if you miss any part of it. Go to RSPRadio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and join the rank and file of the pod people. Yes, we love our pod people. Get more pod people all the time. Yes, we are. That's and a good thing. You know, probably nobody's even heard of what's going on with this Manhattan DA. It's not really been in the news. No. If you believe that, I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I decided to look into it and, and take it on 
from the standpoint of the case itself. Okay. Okay. And before I get into this, uh, under the title Bragg's Imploding Political Persecution, let me just say, I have been a casual and more than casual observer of high-profile criminal cases for a lot of years. Not only have I never seen anything like this, I've never even heard of something like this. True. You know, I mean, it's, it's just astounding. To hear the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, tell it, convening a grand jury to attempt to bring about an indictment for a crime that never occurred was all Donald Trump's fault. And when that case crumbled like a house of cards in a Texas tornado, well, that was Donald Trump's fault, too. Now, according to a letter Bragg sent to members of Congress last week on Thursday, March 23rd, quote, your letter is an unprecedented inquiry into a pending local prosecution. The letter only came after Donald Trump created a false expectation that he would be arrested the next day and his lawyers reportedly urged you to intervene, unquote. So let's start with the simple stuff first. Trump, quote-unquote, created a false expectation that he would be arrested the next day due to a leak from the office of Alvin Bragg indicating that an arrest was imminent. So there's that. But what of the case itself? The grand jury was convened in January to examine whether or not Trump broke the law regarding a payoff to Stormy or Stormy Daniels, Stephanie Clifford is her real name, a porn star back in 2016 to keep her quiet regarding a supposed fling with Trump back in 2006. There are so many problems with that case, I hardly know where to begin. But how about starting with the fact that the statute of limitations had long run out on a misdemeanor violation. While the statute of limitations would have been longer were the violation a felony, it wasn't. But nonetheless, the statute of limitations regarding even a felony violation has also run out. So in order to try and extend the statute of limitations, Bragg contended that Trump left New York and could not be found. Did Trump leave New York? Yes. But between January 2017 and January 2021, he was pretty easy to find because he was living in the White House. So that argument just doesn't hold water. Then there was Bragg's attempt to turn the crime into a felony, which took perhaps the most convoluted thinking imaginable. Diane Bragg claimed that Trump used campaign finances to reimburse Michael Cohen for paying off Stormy Daniels to the tune of $130,000, but even that gambit was fraught with idiocy. Doing so would have only been a felony had Trump done the deed in order to cover up some other crime, which according to Alvin Bragg, was the use of campaign funds. Well, to me, this is very, very convoluted, and it almost seems like a shell game. You put the charges under, you know, three uh, shells, and you shuffle them around, 
and whatever one comes up, okay, that's the winner. It's, yeah. it's ludicrous. These charges are ludicrous. Well, they are. And, and let, me, let me just redefine what Alvin Bragg is trying to do here. Okay? According to Alvin Bragg, Trump had to use campaign funds for the reimbursement in order to cover up the use of campaign funds for the reimbursement. That's nuts. Now, after getting through that load of crap, we come to the fact that no previous New York DA was able to find any crime in either the payoff by Cohen or the reimbursement by Trump. The Department of Justice couldn't find such a crime, and neither could the Federal Election Commission, and all of them right down the line declined to even prosecute Trump for a crime. All of them said never happened. Even after all of that, there sat Alvin Bragg trying to make a Manhattan case out of what would have been a federal case had any crime been committed. A case that he, had he been successful in looping together all the things necessary to turn a local misdemeanor into a federal felony, he never would have had the jurisdiction to prosecute, nor would a Manhattan grand jury have the jurisdiction to investigate. So let me now get into the case that Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is essentially illegally trying to manufacture in the attempt to put handcuffs on a former president. In 2016, a porn star, Stormy Daniels, asserted that she had a sexual fling with Donald Trump back in 2006. Michael Cohn, an attorney who was loosely, at best, working for Trump in small business dealings, took it upon himself to negotiate a non-disclosure contract with the attorney for the porn star and took out a personal loan in the amount of $130,000 to buy the porn star's silence. So far, no crime. Then, sometime later, when Trump became aware of the situation and after strongly denying that any such sexual encounter with the porn star ever took place to begin with, Apparently, the Trump organization, not the Trump campaign, reimbursed Cohen for the 130 grand. No crime there either. Somewhere around 2018, there was a falling out between Trump and Cohen as Cohen was caught up in his own scandals and was convicted of lying to a congressional committee about Trump, eventually ending with Cohen being sent to prison. Diane, as far as that case proceeded, it became well known that Cohn was a serial liar. Cohn did three years in federal prison and was ordered to pay a fine of $50,000 after pleading guilty to five counts of criminal tax evasion and campaign finance violations. On February 26, 2019, he was disbarred from practicing law in the state of New York by the New York Supreme Court Appellate Division. Well, after all of this, an interesting question seems to have come up about exactly who did what with the monies. Well, remember what I just said. Cohn committed a campaign finance violation. It's true. 
And while it would take way too long to go into the details, basically, what happened was that Michael Cohn set up a shell business to essentially launder payments to Stormy Daniels and then the reimbursements back to himself and listed them for tax purposes as quote-unquote campaign donations. Now, I've provided in my blog at thenationalpatriot.com the link to the official FBI report concerning Michael Cohn that was used as evidence against Cohn at the trial that sent him to prison. And there's your crime right there. So what did the legal ignoramus and mental midget Alvin Bragg do next? Well, he made Michael Cohn his key witness against Donald Trump. That's right, Bragg, the Manhattan DA, made Michael Cohn the very guy who admitted to and pled guilty to committing the very crime of finance law violations that Bragg is trying to frame Trump with, his key witness against Trump. But it didn't stop there. Bragg also hid more than 600 pages of exculpatory evidence from the grand jury, including Excuse me, including that FBI document, which you can read at the link I posted in the blog. And along with hiding that evidence, Bragg also hid from the grand jury hundreds of emails between Cohen and his former legal advisor, Robert Costello, a former New York DA himself and attorney above reproach, who last week went to the grand jury and testified, Diane, as to Bragg's lack of character, his criminal history, and the fact that Cohn is, in Costello's own words, a serial liar. Yeah, well, it's very interesting, the fact of what Bragg would not allow the grand jury to see, because from my understanding, exculpatory evidence has to be made available or correct decisions can never be made. Well, that's very true. And to be clear, while attorneys for the defense are not allowed to present a case on behalf of a defendant, in this case Donald Trump, to a grand jury by law, exculpatory evidence must be made available to the grand jury. And Alvin Bragg intentionally hid that exculpatory evidence Evidence that not only would prove beyond a reasonable doubt, but beyond a shadow of a doubt that Donald Trump did not commit the crime that Bragg was attempting to indict him for. Also hidden from the grand jury was a 2018 letter to the Federal Election Commission attempting to shield Cohen from being prosecuted for a federal campaign finance violation the one he eventually pleaded guilty to. From none other than Alvin Bragg's key witness against Trump, Michael Cohn's attorney, Stephen Ryan, stating that Cohn, and I quote, used his own money, personal funds, to facilitate a payment of $130,000, unquote, to porn star Stormy Daniels, and further stating, again, quote, Neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was a party to that transaction with Ms. Clifford and neither reimbursed Mr. Cohen for the payment directly or indirectly, unquote. Diane, the reality of it was, as 
part of his guilty plea, Cohen admitted that he used a newly incorporated shell company to pay Daniels, then sought reimbursement from the Trump organization for the full amount, plus a $35 wire fee and another $50,000 for tech work related to Trump's campaign. Well, wasn't there also monies doubled and bonuses <laughs> and all sorts of other things thrown into this? Yes, thrown in by Cohen himself. The total was right. doubled for tax purposes, and Cohen also received a $60,000 bonus with the full amount of $420,000 paid to him in monthly installments for which he submitted invoices. That's Bragg's whole manufactured sham of a case against Donald Trump gone up in smoke right there. And by the way, intentionally hiding from or not producing to the grand jury such exculpatory evidence is in itself a crime. Now, if Bragg's case against Donald Trump was the Titanic, Robert Costello was the iceberg. Costello testified before the grand jury last Monday, March 20th, and while the indictment against Trump was expected as per the reported leak from Bragg's office on Tuesday, March 21st, suddenly it was announced that the grand jury would hear from yet another witness on Wednesday, March 22nd. So, what happened? Well, on Wednesday, March 22nd, the grand jury was put into a holding pattern and told not to meet that day. Later that day, it was revealed there was quite an uproar within the Manhattan DA's office as attorneys far more experienced than Bragg and surely more ethical than Bragg were reportedly revolting. The grand jury was to have met again on Thursday, March 23rd, but again, they were called off as the situation within the Manhattan DA's office was rumored to have descended into organized chaos. Meanwhile, the House Judiciary Committee was demanding that Alvin Bragg come in and under oath answer questions regarding his attempt to manufacture a crime out of thin air for the purpose of getting handcuffs on and a mugshot of President Trump, prompting Bragg's aforementioned terse letter to members of the committee that I cited earlier in this commentary. Diane, according to the Office of Congressman Jim Jordan, last Thursday, quote, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan just sent letters to former special prosecutors Casey or Carrie Dunn and Mark Pomerantz demanding documents and testimony relating to Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's unprecedented abuse of prosecutorial authority amid the reported impending indictment of former President Donald Trump. Well, you know, there has to be a question asked about this. Exactly who are these people and what did they do? Well, that's a good question because I don't think anybody really knew who they were. Uh, Dunn and Pomerantz. Now, according to Jordan's office, since leaving the DA's office, Dunn and Pomerantz both have publicly criticized Bragg for refusing to aggressively prosecute Donald Trump and have now even opened a law firm to bring lawsuits to prevent President Trump from holding future office. 
Now, what Jordan wants to know is whether or not any federal funds were used by Bragg in his manufactured sham case against Donald Trump, because if federal funds were used, that too is a crime. Now, for his part, Trump has consistently denied that any tryst with Stormy Daniels ever took place. Daniels, in 2018, sued President Trump for defamation because Trump tweeted in April of that year that Daniels was lying about being threatened in 2011 not to go public with her story regarding what she claimed to be the sexual encounter. So bogus was that lawsuit that a federal judge threw the case out of court and Daniels was ordered to pay Trump nearly $300,000 in legal fees. The grand jury was to have met and did briefly yesterday, March 27th. And as I was finishing this commentary late yesterday afternoon, no indictment had been handed down. Now, what's important to note here is that there are 23 people on that grand jury and an indictment requires only 12 votes. Now, that tells me that as of yesterday, March 27th, Alvin Bragg has failed to reach the lowest possible bar in garnering such an indictment. Could it still happen? Yes. But know that the sham nature of this case will come crashing down on Bragg like a house of cards should this case ever go to trial. And at least in the short term, Trump will reap the benefit of having been targeted yet again in yet another witch hunt persecution. I would not put up past Alvin Bragg to hold the grand jury hostage until enough members cave and an indictment akin to the precious ring in a Tolkien novel is produced. Bragg should be very careful what he wishes for. He just might get it. This whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. There was no grounds for prosecution here at all. Stormy Daniels, in a very high-profile case, lost to Donald Trump. In losing, that kind of makes her guilty of manufacturing a fairy tale. It, and it, really, yet, it really does, Diane. And back in 2018... Stormy Daniels actually signed a letter stating that the supposed sexual encounter never happened. Never happened. So what is this Bragg doing except looking for his 15 minutes of fame? Maybe he's possibly looking for a political career of his own. No one does this kind of thing unless something that no one has thought of. Soros is pushing him to do it. Absolutely, and I guarantee you that's the case. Soros funded his campaign. Right. Okay, uh, Alvin Bragg is a Soros DA. Soros yes. is pushing this. The, um, uh, the powers that be in, in the uh, liberal arena are also pushing it. They yes. want nothing more than to get a mugshot of President Donald J. Trump. That's what that's they, all want. they want. You right. know, and, uh, you know, they, they, they don't want him running. They're scared to death uh, because, as you said in your commentary, in, in your op-ed, Trump 
was exemplary as the president. His policies yes. put us back on track. He made Absolutely. America great again for four years. The liberals are scared crapless that he'll do it again if he gets back in. Okay? Right. So by, by any means necessary, take down Donald J. Trump. Now, the problem here, as I outline in this commentary, is this case... The, the statute of limitations has run out for both a misdemeanor and a felony. And even if it was a felony, it would only be a felony on the federal level, which means Bragg and the DA's office and New York and Manhattan would never be able to prosecute it. And this grand jury shouldn't even be allowed to hear it. Exactly. So, you know, this thing falls apart if it, if it gets to an indictment, it falls apart instantly in a court of law. Right. You know, and if it doesn't fall apart in the court of law, it falls apart at the U.S. Supreme Court level, because I guarantee you that's where it would end up. But um, right now, you only need 12 to get an indictment, 12 out of 23, and he can't even get that. In fact, right before we went on air this evening, it was announced that the grand jury will not meet again this week. They were scheduled to meet tomorrow. They were scheduled to meet on Thursday. They will not be meeting either day. That tells me that Bragg must be way short on the number 12 that he needs. Could there be any other reasons why they haven't announced anything yet? I'm just wondering you know, if there could be something else. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, this, this case is going to fall apart and it, it may be other, other DAs in that office, other attorneys in that office telling him, if you, if you push this thing any further, it's going to be your career. You're going to be out of here. Exactly. You know, because from the rumors I'm hearing, the things inside Bragg's office are ugly right now because oh, yeah. he's got We're attorneys telling that. him knock it off right we're all hearing that and that's from fellow democrat liberal da's well when you look at this you know the the um, department of justice couldn't find any crime that was committed uh, right. other da's in new york couldn't find any crime that was committed the right. Federal Elections Commission. This is supposedly, according to Bragg, a federal election finance violation. The Federal Election Commission couldn't find a crime. Right. It's because That's no because crime there ever was existed. No crime. Exactly. Exactly. So this guy is doing the bidding of George Soros. He's doing the bidding of the political elite from the left. You know those that that pull the mm -hmm. the strings. There is no there there no there is none you know but this also lends into your op-ed diane this stuff is not going to stop period it's going to go through 2024 whether he yes. whether trump wins the nomination whether he wins the white house or whether he doesn't this stuff is going to continue to happen and I don't think this country can survive another four years of that nonsense. I think people are getting pretty tired of it, to be perfectly honest with you. I think I think even most New Yorkers, I mean, this, this is a supposedly Manhattan case, okay? 
And I think most New Yorkers are ready to move on because they know this is bogus. I think that the country in general is ready to move on for this from this whole kind of nonsense in general. Yeah. And there's three other charges waiting behind this. And How many times is this going to dominate an important election year? It's the opening act. And, and make no mistake about it, what these Soros-funded DAs are doing is using these cases as thin and as bogus as they are to interfere in the 2024 election. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're doing. This is, this is the new way of interfering in an election. And yes, uh, I think voters are getting tired of this. I, I think even uh, a lot of Democrats are getting sick and tired of this because it never goes anywhere and it never will. Exactly. You know, folks, you can find my commentary in two places. You can go to my blog, thenationalpatriot.com, or go to rspradio1.com. Either place, you can grab the link, and we hope you share it, and we hope you share Diane's. I tell you, to make it simple, go to rspradio1.com. You get my link, you get Diane's link, both right there in one place. Mm Mm-hmm. Makes it simple for sharing. Yes, it does. And we're all about sharing. (laughs) Yes. Kumbaya, sharing, and peace and harmony. (laughs) Just just don't go to the airport if you're a guy wearing a dress. Definitely not. You're just asking for it. Yes. You know, folks, we've run out of time. Yes, we have. And uh, with that... I'll say nighty-night and see you guys or hear you guys on Friday. Folks, have a great rest of the week. We'll catch up again on Friday. Bye-bye.